Okay, well, thanks everybody. Uh, over to you, Jeanette. What would you like to talk to us about today? Hi, Alan. Uh what I'd like to talk to you about today is some issues around contracts. Um, I have a little book at home that says 72, the top 72 problems with contracts. I'm not going to go through 72 problems today, but what I would like to do is take you through some really simple things, um, contract basics, essentially. So the first thing I'd like to mention is a lovely little story from quite a few years ago now, but I had a very excited client whose uh, industry was copywriting, um, very, very good copywriter, sent me a contract, was very excited, thought it was going to make him $400,000 a year. When I looked at the contract, the biggest problem I had with it was that I could not identify who would be paying him that money. There was no clarity in the contract as to who the party was to pay the money. So he was about to sign his life away because they were looking at him putting 50 hours a week into this project, which he thought he was going to get $400,000 for. But if he had signed the document without us reviewing it first, then he would have been committed to doing a whole lot of work and then not know who, who he could actually enforce to get payment from. So who he could sue to be paid. Big problem. So what I would like you to do if you ever get a contract across your desk is to ensure that you at least identify who the parties are and make sure they're the right people. Um, I got a contract from a, uh, my insurance broker the other day. It was my insurance renewal time. And I was about to pass on my certificate of um, renewal to my landlord because they require it. And I just thought, oh, well, maybe I should check it first to make sure it's right before I send it off. It wasn't even for my business. They had mistakenly attached one for another business. Um, so I politely deleted everything and sent a note to my broker and said, can I please have the correct one, which immediately came through. Um, so it, it's, it's actually not an uncommon thing. I see parties identified incorrectly Often. Another example just in the last couple of weeks is we had a client who got a magistrate's court claim filed against them. They are a company that was only formed in September of two, this year. The claim for, was for something that happened in October of last year. So there is no, I mean, the court would throw that out because our client didn't exist when the event occurred. They can't possibly answer a legal claim for something that occurred before they existed. Um, and in that particular instance, the solicitors on the other side put in the pleadings that the company is, you know, appropriately formed and capable of being sued and was at all material times. Well, at all material times, it didn't exist. So it couldn't be. Um, fault on their part, costs on their part, all that sort of thing. But it's not uncommon. So... Any sort of agreement you're going into, make sure you can identify the parties and make sure that the party you're going into it as, whether that's as an individual or as a trust or as a company or whatever entity you operate, that your entity is appropriately identified as well. All right, so that's number one that I want you to be very clear about. Uh, number two is that the contract 
actually refers to the deal that it's about. And I have had this instance. I had it a few years ago with a client where I had two brothers and we had acted for each of them separately over time. And this was a deal they were doing together. So one brother went off and spoke to one lawyer and the other brother came to me and they were all fine that I was acting. Um, I knew the other lawyer. And the other lawyer produced a document which did not even mention the deal that the contract was supposed to be about. And I was embarrassed because I know that person. The contract that they had sent through to their client was a 1970s template. So it was poorly written as well in terms of the languaging because the language has changed. Nothing should be in complicated legalese anymore. It should be nice, plain English and easy to understand for everyone. Well, at, at a high level anyway. You should know what the contract's about. So when that came across my desk, I had to very embarrassingly say to my client, look, I'm really sorry, but this actually doesn't address what we were trying to do at all. And my ideal would be to throw this contract out and start again. Um, now, given the relationships between the parties, he didn't want to do that. So we had to recraft some schedules to this contract to actually ensure that it covered what it was going to be about. So two things, parties are the parties to the agreement. And the second thing is that the agreement is actually going to be what the deal's about. Um, and the third thing is if there is money involved, make sure there are time limits. Uh, so a really good example of this is payments by installments. So if someone, say it's a purchase of a business and it's done with some vendor finance involved. Vendor finance is where the seller of the business um, agrees to accept payment over time instead of requiring it on the completion date. So the payment terms in those circumstances need to allow the seller to collect all of the money owed to them as soon as there's a default and not having to wait until all of the defaults have occurred. So for example, if it's a 12 month payment term and it's $1,000 a month, if after the third month, the buyer stops paying, then the seller needs to be able to enforce the whole of the remaining $9,000 of payments, not just the next $1,000 payment. That's not often clear in contracts that we see. And what that means is if you're the person who's trying to collect payment, then you've got a separate action every single month until the end of time. So if you want to be able to enforce payment quickly, you want it to um, accelerate the payments if there's a default so that you can collect them straight away, not have to wait till the end of your 12 month term. Um, so payment terms, making sure that there is a provision in the contract that you will get paid if that's a purpose of the contract or that you will pay the other person, um, how much that's going to be and when it's due. Very important. And I know it sounds like it, you know, should go without saying, but seriously, I've read enough contracts to know it doesn't. <laughs> you need to check these things. Um, if you're ever concerned about reading a contract or you know someone who's concerned about reading a contract, ensure that you suggest they get legal advice. It's really important that people understand what they go into because if you sign a document, whether that's in handwriting or electronically, 
you are committing to agree to those terms, whether or not you've read them, whether or not you understand them. Um, so please be aware of that. So they're my warnings on contracts today for you. Thank you very much, Jeanette. Any questions? Anyone got questions? Just put your, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, react, uh, reaction hand up. Uh, no questions. Fred. Yeah, Jeanette, if, if that situation changed with a default, say, for example, like somebody misses the first month or whatever it might be, uh, and you don't want to actually claim like the, the residue, do you have to rewrite the contract if you change the arrangement? So if you say change the payment to, okay, give me some now and then we'll catch up later. No, you can amend an agreement. Usually there's a provision in a contract that says you can amend it in, in, in writing agreed between the parties. So you can make that amendment. And one of the things, so, okay, so these are technical legal arguments. Um, there's an argument called waiver. So if you accept a late payment the first time, you've got to be careful not to waive your rights to on-time payments for all of the successive payments. So you need to confirm in writing that you agree to this late payment, but you do not waive any other future obligations. Um, so yeah, there's, with any contract or agreement, they can be varied in writing if that's what the contract says. And in any event, you can replace an agreement by writing a new one, but that requires the parties to be on good terms, talking to each other and able to agree. Excellent. Thanks very much. Anybody else? Right. Uh, Chantal. Hey, I just wanted to say that um, from the last meeting, I actually had a one-to-one -one with Jeanette. So I just wanted to give some feedback and just say how awesome that was. Uh, it was just great to connect um, and find out a little bit more about uh, what she does. Um, and then I've also been able to refer a couple of people to her since that. So um, taking the time to actually have those one-to-ones after meetings uh, is highly beneficial. So thank you. Thanks very much, Chantel. Thank you.